my name is Caroline. Before we begin worship today, I want to take this moment to inform you about what's happening here on the Hill. If you're tuning in online, drop us a comment below. We always love hearing from our online family. For those here in person, well, there's nothing like corporate worship. So if you're new to Shelly Christian today, we would love for you to stop by the I'm New Wall. That's the big orange wall in the lobby. You can't miss it. We'd love to meet you, and we even have a gift for you. Your next chance to learn more about Shelby Christian happens this Tuesday. Pathways is our on-ramp to connection with the community of changed lives here on the Hill. You can sign up on our website by clicking on the Easy to Find Pathways banner. There are three steps or sessions to Pathways. The first step is salvation and membership. The second step is disciple-making, and the third step is involvement and stewardship. The Chick-fil-A dinner is provided along with childcare. If you adopted an angel this year, the gifts are due back no later than December 13th. Our community care ministry is hosting a Christmas celebration on December 7th at 1 p.m. in the lobby. There'll be singing and some other fun surprises. If you need more information, you can contact Doug Taylor. Ladies, our sixth annual Yuletide and Yarn starts 2 p.m. this Sunday. Join us in the lobby, also known as the Common Grounds, for some Christmas crafting, refreshments, and most importantly, the fellowship. Our student pastor, Ray Brewer, is kicking off our Christmas series, Advent Conspiracy. The Advent season commemorates the first coming of Christ and the anticipation of His second coming. We want to encourage you and your family to light an Advent candle each week as Christmas Day approaches. Our children's ministry will be providing some materials for you to make this season a memorable one. To help you plan for this Christmas season, take note of our Christmas Eve services and times. We also want to encourage you to grab some invitation cards with our service times along with a bumper sticker we've created to share our message with the community. Each year, we use the Christmas Eve service as a time to collect a special offering we call our Together Initiative. This will help our outreach team for the coming year to allocate funds where they're needed. You will be seeing red envelopes close to our offering boxes in the coming weeks. Later in the service, you'll have an opportunity to pick one up. Please be praying about how you can financially bless our Together partners for the coming year. Before we start worship, there's no better way than to celebrate the five baptisms we had last week. Let's do that now. with a thankful heart, just like Psalms 100 says. Amen. Will you stand to your feet and listen? Let's sing to the Lord. Praise in the valley. Praise on the mountain. Praise when I'm sure. Praise when I'm doubting. Praise when I'm unnumbered. Praise when surrounded. 
parade in town. We got to hang out with Cousin Eddie was there. What a nice guy for the most part. But it was awesome seeing everyone out. But the real reason we should celebrate is, is Advent, is Jesus. 
our hope. Um, next four weeks, we're going to be lighting these candles, the four candles, the fifth one for Christmas Eve. But our first one is hope. Um, thousands of years ago, they prophesied about hope. And he came, and he saved them. And he's still saving us. Um, I, I just love hope. I think everything starts with hope. Then you can get into joy and love. But you got to have hope first. So um, we encourage you to do this with your family on Sundays just to uh, remind yourself. Uh, my family will be here next service, but I'm going to light this candle uh, for hope. It's called the, they called it the, the prophecy candle. Uh, it was purple because of royalty, because of our king. I just encourage you to do this. I'm going to light the candle. Um, if you don't mind, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we are gracious to be gathered here today, Father. Grateful for our King. Grateful for hope, God. May we enjoy this season, but enjoy for the right reasons, Father. That we can be saved and spend eternity with you, with each other, God. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
and he won't fail us now. He's faithful, true, true. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. That's why I trust Him. That's why I trust Him. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. That's why I trust Him. That's why I trust in God, my Savior, one who will never fail. He will never fail. I trust in. Sing that out, church, with your voices. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. I trust Him. You trust Him this morning? Amen. Good morning, church. Hi, everybody. I know I look a little bit different from Dave, a little bit. We're not exactly the same. Um, but good morning, everybody. My name is Ray Brewer. If you have not met me before, I am the youth minister here. Uh, typically, I'm over there on Sunday mornings, hanging out with your middle school students. Um, but I am, I am so stinking excited to be upstairs with you guys. Um, it's going to be exciting. We get to go into this great, this great, great, great series of Advent Conspiracy, which is a very cool series. Like Michael was saying, we have a, a four-week-long where we're going to be leading up until Christmas, and um, oh man, it's just, it's a very cool series, and I get this awesome opportunity to talk about worshiping fully with our, with our first week, but Advent just means coming. It refers to a, a four-week period of time set aside for prayer, pensions, and preparation to help us slow down enough to savor the Savior's birth. 
But before we get into this, I'm just going to open us up with some prayer and invite the Lord in. So please bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be able to uh, congregate together, Lord, in your house. Um, Allow us to hear everything that you need us to hear, Father, and allow me to say only what you need me to say. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this amazing gift. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Who in here has expectations? Yeah, no, I knew that answer. I knew it. You didn't have to raise your hand. I'm glad you did, but I knew the answer. Everybody has expectations, right? That's how we are as people. Whether that is an expectation of when you get a new job, you, you have some sort of expectation of what that's going to look like. Whether you've been at that job for a while, you have some expectation of a pay raise. You have some expectation of... It changing around you sometimes. Everybody has some sort of expectation. Whether we want to believe it or not, there's some part of us that believes something is going to happen, right? Does anybody know how to make God laugh? Make a plan. That's, yeah. God's really really good at letting us know that our plans are not awesome, right? Uh, When I was 15, for those of you who didn't know, um, I was in a pretty traumatic car accident. I was pinned between two cars on the highway, And I broke both my legs in about 16 places total. Now, that's not super important to this message today, but it is something that uh, needed to be brought up for this next part. I was hospitalized for about a month, and I was in a wheelchair for about two, Um, which was honestly pretty crazy recovery time. Thank you, Lord. It was pretty great. He did a lot of great things for me in that time. But in that time, right, I had moved from a hospital in Orlando, Florida, to a hospital that was a little bit closer to home, and it was strictly strictly for um, physical therapy. That was the whole point of it. And uh, in this hospital, we were working on this thing, and I was doing a lot of these different exercises to try and get um, a little bit more motion back in my legs, a little bit more motion in my back again, just a lot of things to get me back into the swing of life, right? And one thing that the nurses found out very quickly is that as a human being, I'm very competitive. And uh, there was a lot of things that they wanted me to do, and I wouldn't do it, because I didn't really see the point. The first time they genuinely got me to stand up on my own was to play Wii Bowling, and I crushed it. I played the nurse, and I beat her by like 40 pins. It was great, it was awesome. But there was an opportunity for me to lose, and so I wasn't gonna do that, you know what I'm saying? Like, they learned very quickly that the best way to get me to recover was to make it some sort of competition, right? And so as this was going on, there was a lot of different things that they had me do, but on this one specific day that I'm going to be telling you guys about, I was still in my wheelchair at the time, and they had set it up to where there were three different spots, right? There were three different sections, and the nurse would throw me a beach ball, and I would hit it with this PVC pipe, and she would call out a section when it was in the air, and if I got it into one of those sections, I got a point. If I did not, then she got a point. Right? So it was, a very, it was a very easy game, but it all was just to get my back a little bit loosened up, make sure that my shoulders and everything was going, because I was doing a lot of different motions that I wasn't quite used to, so she wanted to make sure that everything was still working right. At this time, my buddy had driven up to this hospital, and he, um, he came, and we were right in the middle of this exercise, and we're like, man, how do we get my buddy Seth involved? Right? Now, just to paint you a picture, I met Seth in theater class. I met Seth in my choir class and in my band class. So I'm going to let you guys paint a picture of what Seth looks like. But to be fair, I was in the same class as Seth. So let's be nice about it because I will feel bad about myself. No, I'm just kidding. But we got to this point where me and Seth were always competitive. 
Seth would always kick my butt in video games, but I would always kick his butt in anything athletic. That was kind of just like where we were at, and we both knew that. So this was Seth coming in, and I'm now in a wheelchair playing something athletic. So needless to say, Seth had a shot. Seth had a chance of beating me in this game, right? So the nurse came in, and we decided to bring him involved, and all he had to do was catch it. All he had to do was catch it. If I made it hit the ground, I got the point, but if Seth caught it, he got the point. Again, making it a competition. Guys, I should have known that I was in trouble when the first thing Seth did was pull up his pants a little bit and get in the stance just about that. He was so ready to get me to finally take me in some sort of athletic competition that I was not prepared for, right? And so the first ball comes up and I hit it. I feel great about it. Seth dives for the first ball. Not a little like, oh, I'm going to get it. I mean, Seth full on, he was in this section and ended in this section. He dove for the first ball just to make sure that I did not get the first point. I was in a wheelchair. I told Seth, if you're watching this, I was in a wheelchair. No, but it was this very clear expectation that Seth had. He had a very clear spot. This was his chance. Could he have beaten me in some athletic things? Of course he could have. But this was one chance that he knew for a fact, this one expectation, he could have won. When, he, when we got done with that game, I kid you not, Seth had to change his shirt. He was sweating. It was gross. It was very unpleasant, but it was, uh, it was very funny. But it was also one of those things where I will never forget it. Seth made a memory for me, right, in that time. That was very important. But that expectation was set. We're going to be opening up today in uh, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be starting in verse 18. And it goes as this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, what I want to focus on pretty specifically here is Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. Bang, there it is. That was cool. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 goes, because Joseph, her husband, was, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. There was an expectation by not only Joseph, but his people, right? That we live in a world right now where we might have some sort of mental, like we might have some sort of idea or some sort of thought or some sort of anything when we see a young girl who's pregnant, but typically we keep that to ourselves, right? Maybe at some point in time we feel the need to go and talk to that person, but if we see a young woman in, in public and she's pregnant, we're probably not going to do too much about it, right? Like even if we do have some sort of thought about it, we're not going to do anything. That's not the case, if Joseph would have genuinely gone forward and been anywhere along the lines of this woman 
Because in the eyes of the world, she was adulterous. This was not, I promise you, that if I were to walk up today, my beautiful girlfriend is here, and I'm sure she is loving that I'm bringing her up right now. But um, if I were to tell you guys, my girlfriend is pregnant, but I promise you it was the Holy Spirit, I would probably get kicked off of this stage. That's probably what would happen, right? Like, it would not be the same where you guys would go, oh, cool, got it, sweet, man, right? No, it was this whole idea where to the eyes of the world, Mary was an adulterous woman. And she had done something that was, if Joseph so chose, could have been punished by death. Not only does Mary not deserve to live, but neither does this baby stone them both. Right? But for some reason, right, before God even got involved, before God even came to Joseph and said, don't worry about it, he chose not to disgrace her in public. And yet there was an expectation. Now, the other expectation that came with all of those things, I don't know um, how many of you know this, but the Messiah had been looked for for generations. The Messiah was not this thing where someone came forward and when Jesus was born, they were like, the Messiah is here. Some people were like, I don't know who that is. I don't really, I'm not confident in what you're saying to me right now. No, it was this whole thing where generations and generations and generations were talking about the Messiah is coming. Moses. They wanted Moses to be the Messiah. David. They wanted David to be the Messiah, but they were people. They fell short. They could never be. And just to prove that to you, in John chapter 1 verse 19... It says this, now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Anybody who was like a prominent figure... There was this idea that this person is clearly going to be the one who is going to free us from Rome. This Messiah, this one who is going to come down, who is going to generate all of this freedom, it has to be one of these people. There was an expectation. They wanted a warrior, a conqueror, a Messiah, a force. Now my second question, have you ever been disappointed? It's a Christmas service. I'm talking about disappointment. Some of y'all were like, what? What's he doing? That's weird. No, but there's this whole idea. With expectation comes disappointment. Not always. I'll be the first to admit that. There's been plenty of times where my expectations have been met. But when it comes to this kind of thing, especially in this sense, expectations can often lead to disappointment. When you are expecting a Messiah who is going to come in with swords when you are expecting a Messiah who's coming in with fire, who is coming in for war, who is going to terrorize this place and make it to where no one can ever deny him, you're going to be disappointed. If you have this expectation of a Messiah who is going to force your hand, who is going to make you choose him daily, you're going to be disappointed. If you have this expectation where you have a Messiah who is going to do anything but love you, you're going to be disappointed. Because we did not get a warrior. We got a baby. We got a baby wrapped. A baby that was so under the radar that he could not even find himself four walls. That expectation was not met. 
a baby that came with intentions of teaching and dying to defeat an enemy that we never even knew we were fighting. Have you ever been disappointed? In this idea of Advent conspiracy, we're going to be disappointed. There's a lot of different topics that are going to be brought up throughout these four weeks. The first one that I get to talk about this week is worshiping fully. It is hard to worship fully. Have you ever tried it? It is not an easy task. Putting forward all of yourself towards something that arguably you can't see is a difficult task. Spending less. I will be the first to admit I like my toys and my things. Legos are cool, and I would like to buy more of those. But it's not something that I'm called to do. And giving up something that I want just because I feel like I need it is a difficult task. Giving more, that sounds a lot like I'm getting less, if I'm being honest here. All of these different aspects, they're not easy. And they can often lead to disappointment. Because we have, again, this expectation. Now, how often does your worship become disappointing? We put God in a box. We put God in this thing, this thing that's set right in front of us, and if he does not reach anything in that box, our worship changes. The second that he is not fitting exactly what I need him to do at that time, my worship is going to weaken because I'm not worshiping fully. I have an expectation of what my Messiah looks like. I have an expectation of what my Messiah does. I have, an ex- I have an expectation of who my Messiah loves. And when he does not reach any of those criterias, my worship changes. God, I will give more when you give me more. I will give more money the second that I have more money. I will give more time the second that I have more time. I will give more grace the second that you give me more grace. I will give anything more the second that you do your part and give it to me first. Now, could you imagine if he did the same for us? I will give you your blessing if you can go 10 years of perfection. You know what? I will give you your blessing if you can go 10 minutes of perfection. Oh, you know what? Bring it right back. I will give you your blessing if you can go one minute of perfection. Not a lustful thought. Not a prideful thought. Not a greedy thought. Not a thought that does not surround me. The second that you, a human, are capable of doing that, you can have your blessing. If God treated us the way that we treated him, none of us would be here. None of us would. I have a large family. My immediate family, whenever we meet for Thanksgiving or Christmas or anything along those lines, any holidays, there's 22 of us, right? There's 22 of us. I have five siblings, um, and they all have, almost all of them have four kids, or two kids. It's almost a four-person family for each one. And, um, which makes holidays crazy often, but it also makes holidays expensive. So, um, we have devised as a family for a while now on Thanksgiving day, we take a hat and we put all of our names into this hat, bow, and then we shake it up and we pull it. So if I were to get my brother, Anthony, the only person that I had to worry about for Christmas that year was Anthony, 
right? I did not have to buy for my other siblings. I did not have to buy. I would usually buy for mom and dad, but I didn't have to. And um, we always bought something for the little kids, but that's just because they're little kids, and it's Christmas. You know what I'm saying? But we would always pull one specific person, and we only had to worry about that one individual, right? We did that for years, and it was great. This year, my mom, my mom gives me a call and she goes, hey, Ray, um, we're going to be adopting a family this year, and we're not going to be doing gifts in the family. We're just going to be giving everything that we would, like the money we would spend on our family, we're going to give to this adopted family instead. And I would love to sit here and tell you guys and go, Mom, that is a beautiful idea. Praise God. We are blessed, so let us bless. My first thing was, this is a joke, right? This, we're kidding. We're kidding. Um, no, I really, wish, I really wish that I was way better about it, but I wasn't. Like, Mom had to explain it to me about three or four times before I really got the concept of what we were doing. Uh, my niece, my niece Haley, she is 16, going on 22. And um, Bugs, if you're watching, I'm just kidding. I promise. Um, but Haley did the same thing I did. Haley... <laughs> even after she was told we are not doing gifts this year, sent my mom her Christmas list just just in case, just to make sure everybody got their I's dotted and their T's crossed because she was just in case that iPhone was getting received. No, but like now that I can sit here and sit in this moment and I can tell you guys, honestly, I'm a little embarrassed that that I did not have the the best reaction to this, but it's a beautiful thing. Uh, even though it is a little bit later in life, my parents are still teaching us lessons, right? But me and Haley were disappointed. We were, because we had this expectation. Uh, we're going to go back a little bit, and we're going to start in um, Samuel, Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 14. It goes like this, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sound of trumpets, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from the window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. We skip forward a few verses to uh, verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. Going around half naked in full view of the slave girls, of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would, David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humili- uh, humiliated in my own eyes, but by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. David was so full of the spirit that he decided to dance naked, half naked, in front of this beautiful representation of God. Now, I don't have any right to tell you guys what to do on your free time, but we will not be celebrating that kind of worship today. Worship fully in your own houses, if you're going to do that. No, but I cannot think of another story that represents worship better than this one. I can't. David didn't care where he was. David didn't care what was happening. David didn't care who was watching. The Lord was present. And so was his worship. 
His worship was not skewed by what was going on. The Lord was present, and so was his worship. And I just think that is a beautiful, a beautiful thing. Worship is something that we as people, we've allowed it to get diluted. Just like everything else in our life. When we get money, we want more. When we have something of need, as soon as we have fulfilled that need, we feel like we need to add more to it. And yet worship is the same and almost the opposite in the same breath. Because we're sitting in this moment and we feel like we've fulfilled it. And yet part of us wants to pursue more and part of us feels like that's enough. And it always, always depends on what's going on in our life. If we've hit this point in time where this, this terrible thing is going on, we have a sickness going on in our family, that is when we go, God, I don't want to worship right now. I, I'm kind of done. We have this beautiful moment. God, I, I will worship you from day in and day out. I don't care what's going on. Father, you're amazing. You have blessed me until another tribulation comes. God, I'm tired. God, I'm so tired. But when we get this opportunity to genuinely worship fully, it doesn't matter who's around. It doesn't matter what the situation is. When we get this chance to genuinely jump forward and to give God everything we have, whether that's our time, whether that's our money, whether that's our worship, it doesn't matter what it is. When we genuinely have this opportunity to go forward, we need to give him everything. What I love, I love about this Christmas story. We know what's coming. This time of Advent, at this point in time, it was, it was a mystery. Who is the Messiah? What is the Messiah going to look like? We know the answer. Jesus is coming. Jesus, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the lion, the lamb, Alpha, Omega, Jesus is coming. What else is there to do but worship? What else is there to do but to give him everything because he gave it first? We don't have anything if he's not involved. The very breath that we breathe, we breathe out and it should be in worship to him. The very money that we hold, he has blessed us. And it's not easy. It will never, ever, ever be easy. But worshiping fully, when you genuinely get in this point in time, when you genuinely get God, give God everything that you have, It's life-changing. I'm going to end it out with uh, this story. Well, not really a story. It's more of a small little line, I guess. But uh, I was watching this pastor a while ago, um, and it is, it's just always stuck with me since. Um, he, was, he was going on this message about the gospel, 
And he was, he was telling a few of these different students about what it meant to meet Jesus and how to meet Jesus and what does it look like and all these different things. And one of my favorite things that he ever said is meeting Jesus is like meeting a train at full force head on. You will never be the same. You cannot meet Jesus and be the same. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Um, thank you for allowing us just to be able to um, open up your word, Lord. Uh, as we go throughout the rest of our day, Lord, allow us to uh, just really focus on you, to really allow everything around us to be centered around what you need it to be. Lord, as we go into this time of communion and worship and giving, Lord, allow us to just, rem- just remember who you are. Remember what you've done for us, Lord. We love you and we praise you. And in your son's name we pray. Amen. So in this next time, we are going to be uh, jumping into our time of communion uh, and giving. And the worship team will be coming up here very shortly. Um, so over in the communion boxes, we have these, these red envelopes. And they are going to be giving to our, our uh, something initiative partners that I will remember the name of the next time I'm up on this stage for sure. Together Initiative. It's the name that I've been told. Together Initiative. Uh, and we are actually going to watch uh, a video on that right now, so uh, please take a look. Hey, Shabbat Christian. This is Luke Dove in Guatemala. I just want to take a moment and, and thank you all for your continued support of the Carreño ministry. Because of your all's generosity and contributions, this year we were able to give over 950 computer classes to our students, over 1,400 academic reinforcement classes, our kids read over 2,200 books, and my personal favorite, we were able to give over 800 Bible classes. We exist to meet these vulnerable kids where they're at and help them come to know Jesus and then use their God-given talents and abilities to help their families and their community. That wouldn't be possible without you. So I just wanted to say thank you for your generosity, thank you for your prayers, and thank you for participating in the Together Offering. God bless. Hello, I am Daniel Mgoda, and I'm the director of Mirembe Cottage Ministries. Uh, Mirembe Cottage Ministries has a, a primary school and a secondary school. Together we have about almost 600 children in the schools. Uh, we also have an orphanage where we get girls from the streets. We are so thankful for Shelby Christian Church. So many lives are being changed. Thank you so much. A lot of kids got a chance to go to school, uh, got a chance of health, because there are so many kids that, kids that we have treated we are so thankful because you're such a blessing to us. May God bless you so much. So cute. Um, but please, as you go forward into this time of giving and communion, 
Um, please be praying about that. Allow the Lord to move in your hearts. Again, if you would like to give to this Together initiative, it is in these red envelopes. Um, we will have this worship going on, this communion going. We'll have Bobby and Jason over here by the baptistry, if you, uh, and I'll be up standing up here as well. Uh, but when you get your elements, please hold on to them, and we'll take them together. Uh, please move, please. i 
one of the best forms of worship, but it is also one of the easiest to forget. It is also one of the easiest ones to allow it to just sit and allow it just to be this thing that we do as a motion of our Sundays, as a motion of our daily lives. But we have to remember what this represents. And in this time, the beginning of this beautiful story of our salvation, it ends with that Savior dying on the cross for us and shedding his blood to wash away our sins tearing his body in sacrifice to remind us that he would never ask us to sacrifice if he did not do it himself. And this bread, it represents that body. Take it in remembrance of him. And that blood, so pure, when that blood was shed, all of hell was defeated. Drink this in remembrance of him. Y'all, thank you so much for allowing me to come up here and speak with you guys. Um, remember that the Lord loves you in this time of Advent. Remember what he's done and remember to always worship him fully. Go, love God, love people, and watch him change the world. Amen. Amen.